Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Five minutes after two o'clock. So every Monday what we have is a conversation that we call the audit. We audit things. And today what we wanted to do is to audit transformation. How far are we? 25 years in, how far are we? And what, what, what brings these conversations up is when you, when you look around, and I, and I was startled by, for instance, the, um, the protest in Soweto. I think they started on Friday. And when asked what is it exactly they are protesting about, and it's not always the same reasons people give, okay? But somebody said, 25 years in and we have never been given service delivery. And it kind of struck me. I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a revelation. And I think it's important then for us to always go back, not necessarily wait for the big problem, but to ask ourselves, so how are we doing? And this is that conversation. We are going to have a very open conversation. You're also welcome to be part of this conversation. 0891-104-207. I don't have the answers. None of my guests, I think, is going to give you a black and white answer. It's a conversation. That's what happens. All of us and our contribution, I think, matters at this point. Dutum Somi joins me on the line. She's a founder and CEO of Burusa Leadership Partners. They they do a lot of um, leadership around uh, transformation in organizations and so on. Uh, Terry Oakley Smith, also a founder and director of Diversity. Uh, so it's a Diversity a dash T change management consultant. Thank you so much both for, for being with us this afternoon and, and thanks for, for being part of this, what I think is a really big conversation. Dudu, thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon. It's Busara. It's Busara, Busara Leadership. It's- yeah, it's Swahili. It means wisdom. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much for that. And, and Terry, thank you too for joining us. It's a great us. pleasure. Hello, Dudu. So, Hi, so, Terry. Long time. Dudu, yes. let's start with you. Um, you know, where, where you sit and, and you are called in, I imagine you'd be asked to come in and have a look at a, an organization. We, we think we have a problem, but do you come in and assess it for us? Are we always clear? about what we mean by transformation when we ask somebody like you to come in? Uh, no, most of the time it's really uh, we're probably having a good, a, a bad time in, in, in the market. We're yes. not getting business. Yeah. And we are being told that our stats are not looking good um, or that we are losing people, especially uh, African or black people, which is uh, African, colored and Indian. We're not able to keep them. Something must be wrong. Uh, but that's as far as it goes. It, it's almost like you're just going to um, wave a magic wand <laughs> and things are going to be okay. I don't think many organizations look deeply into what is causing the problem. And, and from where I'm sitting, many of us have really not bought into the new values of South Africa under our new constitution, which are human dignity, which talks about equality and rights and freedom, non-racialism, non-sexism, and supremacy of our constitution and law. If we actually live that, we would not be having as many problems as we do have. You know, you as you said it, I was going to say to you, um, of all the things that you've just listed above there to say they call you because people are leaving, because the numbers are not looking good and all of those things, somewhere along the line, I'm not getting the sense that they are calling you sincerely because they actually care. No, it's, this is it. It's become, we've built a compliance culture. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with transformation. Transformation means moving from one state an old state, which we we appreciated, that's what apartheid was, into a new state where we have non-racism, non-sexism, and yet we are not really accepting that. And on top of that, we're in a global environment. So the, the world is moving on. We talk for IR, we talk misaligned skills or underskilled people in South Africa. The world has moved on. They're just assuming South Africans need to be able to have the skill set, the expertise and the knowledge to be able to compete globally. We're not even there. Terry Oakley, Smith, you're here in studio with us. Once again, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Why is it that we don't have, as Dudu said, I suppose the same values? Why don't we care about the same things, being in the same country, understanding that we have the same problem? 
Do you know, there was a huge irony, in my view, um, in seeing de Klerk on television yes. talking 25 years or whatever after that mm. talk he gave and, mm. and then thinking about a man like de Klerk getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. Um, and the horrible irony that 25 years later we haven't really begun to scratch the surface of the terrible problems that apartheid has caused us. And um, in terms of what Dudu was saying, I want to agree with her completely. I mean, I think that some companies don't really know what they want, but there, there are others that think if they solve one small problem, they maybe have one person that's a problem or one department that's a problem, that's going to be an answer to transformation. So I think that one has to start off by doing a very thorough investigation before one begins to do any work in, in companies. So I don't know if the both of you have seen this, but the irony for me is at a time when we have a conversation like this, I'll tell you what actually happens. We are able to speak to Dudu because Dudu is an independent CEO and founder of Busara, right? We're able to speak to Terry Oakley-Smith as well, who is also running an independent company. Very difficult, Dudu, to get somebody who is a CEO in an, a corporation that's been around for many, many years with these kind of challenges willing to talk to us. They, they are sitting in their job as what they call transformational officer and very difficult to get them on. on. And why do, you, why do you think that is? I think very often that um, people have to um, speak according, keep, they have to keep the company line, if I can put it like that. Yeah. And yeah. if you also think about it, um, Pamelo, that, you know, the top three levels in organizations are dominated by white men still. I think something like 65% of people in those senior levels are white men. And they often themselves may be very good, I don't know, at leading and doing various things. But in terms of transformation, they are not themselves addressing it on a personal level, on, on, a, on a, um, a social kind of level. So I think that's one of the other problems is that, you know, in spite of employment equity that's been there since 1998, in spite of BEE, companies are just do it, re thinking it's a box ticking. How can I get, you know, they get you find a company is level one. And then when you actually look at what that means, it basically means nothing about their internal transformation. It Have we been so preoccupied with this ticking box thing that we've missed it? I, in fact, uh, you be, um, I, um, this is amusing. This morning I got an email um, from some company saying to me, I must have done business with them, saying to me, we see that you have not complied with your BEE status. I wanted to laugh. Because... Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yes. Who is more BEE than you? <laughs> exactly. You have not complied. If you do not comply and send us a certificate. So, in other words, I've got to prove that I am black and I'm a woman. If you don't do that, and it's only me, by the way. I'm not running an organization. <laughs> if you don't prove that you have the certificate, then we're sorry. We don't think we'll do business with you uh, going forward. But and I, and I, it's funny saying this, but... I wonder if it's not part of our problem that we are so busy ticking these boxes. We're not getting to what needs to be done. Dudu, when you do give the final report to an organization that asks you to do something, does it land? Do, do, how do they receive it? Now, first of all, I mean, because I always have to work with them. I have to have interaction. Yes. So first of all, just when you're still doing one-on-one -on -one interviews, mm you already see people's attitude. It's just a discomfort about, this is why if we're not rooted in our new values, yeah. how are we in South Africa and don't think non-racialism and non-sexism is okay? So just that conversation of accepting that this is a new context, it has to be different. You have the one-on-one. People get highly, their racism mm. or their sexism stereotypes. We very much, very caught up in our stereotypes and you will think it's older generation but it's no you'll find this in the 20s and in the 30s and they they almost absorb the attitude of top management whatever top management does so by the time you get to workshops it, i once worked on a um a project i i was so ill afterwards it was so toxic and these people are sit next to each other interact but the minute we had the diversity and inclusion workshop, things got out that were well hidden, very negative. But everybody just wants 
you to accept that I, I'm very fair. I don't hate other races. We, we're just not being real in terms of the work, work, work situation. And staff are really feeling the brunt because people are very, very depressed. When you look at most of the wellness reports, wellness programs, I sit on a number of boards, the majority of it is around psychosocial issues. A lot of our problems are depression, and it's around the toxicity in our environment. We are just not being real. How's your experience been, Terry? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that... The first steps are, are, are really critical of working in an organization. And as diversity, we, we, we obviously do interviews, I'm sure, like Dudu does, and we do um, group work, group interviews, focus groups. And we also do um, an online surveys, which we do with one of the professors from WITS, so that we start off with a very clear understanding of, of what we see as the issues. And then when we meet with, with senior management, we're in a position to say, look, this is not what I'm saying. This is not what Terry's saying or what diversity is saying. This is what your people are saying. And very often why they think you, they've brought you in turns out to be extremely different yeah. to actually what the real problems are. And I would agree with so much with Dudu that the levels of toxicity in companies are extremely high. And I also see um, situations where where black people, even at very senior levels, are kind of find themselves echoing what their white bosses are saying and even treading along the same path. And I find that very, very difficult to deal with. Um, you know, I can deal with a white person who's racist probably because I'm white and they're listening, they're going to listen to me. But w when you get a black person who has bought into this whole um, pseudo transformation, I think that's a, a major problem that occurs. Yeah, it's that, it's that thing that you're speaking about to do about singing for your supper. Yes, and 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 I also wonder to what extent do they even you know as as you said, Terry, it, it there will be a distinction even between how Dudu is received and how you're received. Oh, absolutely. I mean, white privilege is alive and well in South Africa. And people just don't understand. It's got nothing to do with wealth at all. It's just the way I will be perceived, yes. what I can see, what I read, if I go into shops, how I'm treated. I mean, it's that's it's, what it's about. It's, and so the way I'm received will be different. Um, to the way Dudu is received. It's that your report, I'm not going to be looking for grammatical errors, whereas exactly. with Dudu's report, I will be looking for I'm those. assumed to be competent yes. for yes. no other reason. Dudu's probably better qualified mm. academically than me. But because my skin is white, that privilege goes in the door with me. And that is what it's all about. Our conversation is around... Uh, I almost said white privilege. You went there, Terry. It wasn't Sorry. me. I almost said we it we just, almost is. You're actually it, almost yeah, white. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't you can't run away from that. Our conversation is around transformation and I do invite you to call in in, in, in and weigh in on what we're discussing. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. My guests this afternoon are Terry Oakley Smith and uh Dudum Somi also she's with us but she's on the line and we also have a young person who's going to be joining us a little bit later, but that's an open conversation. You're more than welcome to be a part of it. If you want to send an SMS or a WhatsApp note, you can do that on 061-410-4107. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So my, my conversation around transformation is with two guests at the moment, Terry Oakley-Smith. She's the founder and director of Diversity. And I'm also joined by Dudum Somi, who's the founder and CEO of Busara Leadership and Partners. And uh, they're joining me to have a conversation, a very frank conversation around transformation. 0891-104-207 is where you can join in this conversation. So, Dudu, having experienced what you've experienced when we were talking also about, um, it could be very much about uh, white privilege, this conversation. What, what has to happen with, with what we've experienced? And, and I think I feel a little bit impatient because we are 25 years in, in, in what we would seem to be a new democracy, but so little has changed. Am I perceiving it wrongly, Dudu? No, you are not. Um, you know, sometimes you can get quite depressed when you kind of think, 26 years on, what have we truly achieved? 
Um, and the real crux of the issue is the self-perception of African people particularly hmm. has not changed. So you, this is what I'm saying. You are so right about talking about white privilege. It's not necessarily about even a white person um, disowning their privilege. It's about us as African people having this inferiority complex that it's so, it's so unconscious that as Terry's talking, in the leadership positions, African people are still having this master-servant relationship where even when they're in positions of authority, they are not taking on the power and doing things that they should be doing. So a lot of us still are in chains. We are free, we are able to vote, but the mentality is still locked. So a lot of work still needs to happen internally. We, we wanted this rainbow nation and it was a concept, but a rainbow nation needs to be lived. It's what we do day to day. So we really have to take it seriously. This is why I almost never do any diversity and inclusion workshop without first starting with top management and the leadership, mm. because then it doesn't matter. They're the ones that end up sabotaging the entire effort because people still take the cues from them. If the policies and the systems and the processes don't change in an organization, nothing is going to change because that's part of what the culture is. Uh, so it's very important that African people, we also do our own soul searching and, and appreciate that. It, I mean, I grew up in a mixed environment. I, I always tell the story that as a child at one point, I visited my white friend and we were having a bath. Well, I was having a bath. And then as I was about to run, you know, take out the water, she came in and said, do, 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 I'm going to use your water. You know how shocked I was? Because I'm like, but I'm black. How can she use my water? She didn't even think about it. For a second, even though I've been brought up in a non-racial situation, I still thought for a second I'm less than her. It's deep-rooted in us, and this is impacting the decisions that we are making in corporate and also in government because we could be delivering better services to our people if we thought any better of ourselves. So knowing all of that, that Dudu has just said, Terry, that she goes in and sometimes you have the actual people who've called you in sabotaging the actual process. So it's bizarre in itself. And I always think men listen to men. White people listen to white people. Here's Dudu, who's black, who's a woman, who goes in and, and wants to shake up the leadership. I'm curious about how many of those actually really, really take that on and change. Mm. I think part of the problem is that there's very often a misunderstanding about the purpose of creating a diverse and inclusive organization. People think it's all about a nice to have and let's all love each other, etc. Even the notion of a rainbow nation, I think, is absurd. We never were and we never will be a rainbow nation. But I think, you know, uh, to, uh, for, for us to really make a difference with, with people at the top, one has got to start by really understanding where they're coming from. From and what their issues are. You know, we, we, we have all the legislation. I mean, the government, I mean, over the last 26, as Dudu reminds us, years, we have all these laws that are supposed to be assisting us towards transformation. But without this willingness to transform internally, we're, we're actually not getting there. It just isn't happening in many organizations because they don't see it as a business imperative. They think it's something lovey-dovey and on the side and a nice to have. Whereas an organization that understands diversity and is inclusive is going to be infinitely more successful. It's a business imperative. And I think that's one of the key things that companies need to understand before embarking on any of this kind of work. So we see this and, and we're speaking a lot about the companies, but what happens in companies essentially is happening in the country. Yes, we, we see this. We've seen the videos where people are beating each other up on the streets for absolutely no reason. And you can you can sense there that there's a problem. Mm. We are we are very boastful about our constitution, about the laws and all of those wonderful things. I'm still struggling to understand fundamentally, let's say with you, Dudu, why is it that we haven't bought into the same vision? Because we don't think we're good enough. Mm. And the ones that uh, have the ability don't think we are good enough. They actually don't believe it. Uh, 
so this is why the stereotypes keep on being entrenched. And this is why when I do work, I literally focus on putting the mirror in front of you. It is your belief system. It's how you've been brought up. It's the experiences that you've had. Until you confront those, you're really not going to be able to embrace the laws of our country. It's just impossible because you will always find ways. Even if you employ black people, you always make sure you get the most incompetent. There is nothing about affirmative action that says get incompetent people. It just says look for potential, also look for the right expertise, just open your doors. It does not say get the worst of the lot. And so people to prove their point Hmm. will get people that are incompetent so that they can say, you see, Hmm. and for us who are Africans or colored and Indians, who do things that are proving the stereotype are actually just not doing anything that is beneficial for our country. So all sides need to really put their mirror, the mirror in front of themselves and say, how am I impacting in situations? So there are leaders that I'm coming across now more frequently than in the past. African people who are now in positions and are saying, I am going to make different decisions. But you need more and more people Mm. like that. As much as I'm meeting a lot of white people who are actually starting to appreciate different expertise. I mean, I occasionally teach at Gibbs um, as a faculty member. And when white males, like emotions, saying, oh, my gosh, I've never had such an experience. Because they've never had to look at an African female and think they can learn from an African uh, yeah. female. I was going to say, what, what they're saying is not that I haven't ever had an experience where I learned. They're saying, I've never thought that a white, a black yeah. woman can teach me. And it's so emotional. Yeah. And all of us need to get to that point. Or, you know, it, the, the legislation can only be affected by us living what it's supposed to be exposing to us. Mzi, you're calling from PE. Welcome to the show today. Hello. Hello, Mutil. Very interesting topic. Thank you for calling. People, I just mentioned two places, Home Affairs and at Seaport. I won't mention the retail name, but it's uh, red and white like Valentine. It's a retail shop in Seapoint. Now, Pimelo, the tellers there are mostly African ladies or black ladies, whatever they have to call. Now, when they see a white person, it doesn't matter the gender, male or woman, they tend to pick up their pace. But if the queue is full of blacks, mm. it's like they've drank some castor oil. They are so slow. Now, if there's a white face, they must rush. They must try to be efficient, I would mean. Then at home affairs, I noticed last year there were two queues when I went to, last year three years ago, when I went to pick up my passport. Anyway, two queues, one queue white, one queue black. Really? And the black queue, very long, at home affairs, right here in PE. And Pamelo, I've got a problem with that, man. So I want to check or ask the security guard, why is that true only for whites, this true only for blacks? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And then the guy, he just told me, no, man, that's just the way it is. I said, no, 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 that's not good enough. Why is that true for whites and this one for black? The one for blacks is very long. He could not answer me. So I left from the last person I was in that black queue. I just went. Oh, we've lost him. I think we got the point. We got the point of what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Dudu, I'm going to give you a chance to respond as well as you, Terry. And uh, when we get back, let's go to Utsile for the very latest in headlines. It is 2.30. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. So we are having this conversation and I'm joined by Terry Oakley-Smith, who's a founder and director of Diversity, a change management consultancy. I'm also joined by Dudum Somi, founder and CEO of Busara Leadership Partners. And we're talking transformation. I will take your calls on 891 You heard the caller earlier. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Absolutely. I mean, I'm... I'm not actually shocked. Is it? I've also seen seen those things. I've seen what happens, say, if there is a a shop or a department and I walk in to do something the way I'm treated as opposed to my black colleague. It's different. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, I'm talking about specifically when black people are serving there. But, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, how come there's no no vision for actually implementing transformation. And I think it's also because there's no shared vision. 
And what Dudu was saying about the emotional experience of a white person um, in in one of her uh, workshops or in the whole process that she runs is so true. And then I think the challenge becomes, how do we get that person to take that experience and not only treat Dudu with respect mm. and, and understand what an important experience that's been for him, but how does he treat his domestic worker when he goes home? How does he treat the black people that work in his, in his organization? It's so it's not about you know, ha- having an experience with a person. It's about being able to share that experience with all people. Oh, but Dudu, you you've must have heard this before. I've heard it many times. I've gotten myself into big trouble for responding to this because where somebody would say, oh, but you're not like them. Exactly. Yes, not one of our accent. blacks. No, no, no. But she's, yeah. she, Dudu's not like them. You see, Terry, I hear you. No. But, but Dudu and is actually not feel, like them. And we, and we it's a compliment, yes. feel like it's a yeah. compliment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so interesting, Terry, that you use the example of a domestic worker uh, because um, last week I was teaching a board of directors class. And one of the things I addressed to the white folks in the room is, I find it accept- unacceptable. And remember, this is uh, a governance course. It's got nothing to do with diversity and inclusion. I was like, I find it very unacceptable that you call our mothers by their first names. Mm. We, <laughs> when the lady, the lady that cleans in your house <laughs> is not Zanele, is not whatever. You ha- also your kids, because your kids need to, if this is an African continent, there are some protocols that we follow in terms of how you address people. And it's things like that. By the time you get to top management and board level, these values should be part of you. Mm-hmm. And the way you do those little things, for me, are significant in terms of the way you lead your organization. So we don't have to expose like very complicated things. It's just in the household you come from. How do you treat people? Do you so even know the know name of we, your domestic worker? Precisely. Do you, you know, know where she lives do, if something yes, happens to her? It's CSI, it's. it's, it's CSI, and yet the very person who cleans her home cannot even take her child to varsity, which you could mm-hmm. help out with. So it's just about being human. It's not a complicated concept. It's just about being human. It's, it's, it's yeah. No, let's, let's, but let's. it's about seeing other people as human. And I think that, to be honest, we're still battling with that concept that, yes, we have the Constitution, and yes, we have the you know, all the things that we'd like to do. But do we see other South Africans as human in the way that we're human? And I don't think that people do. Many many white people still have that sense that uh, black people, especially black people who are struggling, who are their domestic workers or gardeners, are somehow lesser humans. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Nana, you're calling us from KZN. Good afternoon. Thank you for your patience. Good afternoon, Tamelo, and good afternoon to your guests. Tamelo, yes. let me tell you something. Yes. One thing we have not realized in this country is that it's not supposed to be business as usual, one, because of the sense of agency. Change is not going to happen in this country for as long as we continue calling everybody a leader. We need to define what leadership is about <laughs> because it's about authority. It's about taking authority and making change where you are. Many people in this country are called leaders who are expecting to have red carpets open to them. It's not going to change how we do things in this country for as long as you call everybody a leader. It has to be earned. Many people who get into these positions have no clue of what authority is about. And when you get into a position of power, the first thing you do is to assert your authority. And people gauge you, all of them, black and white. They want to feel you as a person who's going to take them somewhere. Give them the vision of where they are going and carry that with you every day. And when you do that, then they will call you a leader. But you cannot just come in there and just uh, uh, celebrate your, 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 your achievements for having uh, uh, arrived. In this country, we need more bold leadership than ever before. And I think you, the, the change management uh, topic that you actually have is something that's supposed to happen every week. Because people are not awake. Hmm. We're talking about the new civil service right now. Yep. It was, they wrote about it in the, in the newspaper. I think it was uh, Mr. Msima. Where are we going to get them? Because those people are comfortable. Yes. They don't even know that people are starving in the streets. They don't. Hmm. Crazy. It's madness. You bring up such important points, Nana. Thank you so much for that. Naz, sure. you're calling us from Temba. Hi. 
Yes, how are you? Good, thanks for calling. Can, can you hear me? Yes, we can, loud and clear. Go ahead. Yes, how are you? Can I yes, register my comment? Yes, sure, go ahead. Oh, yes. Um, when uh, the wife of uh, Professor Claus Schwab, the founder and executive uh, chairman of the uh, World Economic Forum, was asked about who is the most notable, uh, notable uh, personality uh, that ever you know, graced them with a uh, presence, uh, her response was that it was Nelson Mandela. And why? Because this is a man who was able to forgive people who had done wrong to him and his people, uh, and then, 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 you know, and let it pass. And but also extend, you know, an olive branch to the very same, you know, people who were charged with, uh, you know, a crime against humanity. But now here's the thing. Uh, <clears throat> now, what makes uh, the counterpart worse? is that this is the people, these are people who hate us for having done absolutely nothing wrong to them. So now this is where, now when you put that example of Mandela, who is able to forgive and forget the wrongs that were perpetrated to him and uh, his people, but then you have these people who they cannot necessarily, you know, uh, you know uh, point out to say that uh, black people have wronged us with this one particular thing. So that's what exactly makes uh, those kind of, and we are not painting, you know, uh, them with the same brush, all of them. But that uh, those uh, pockets of uh, racist, uh, those who are still hung into that particular hatred that is unjustifiable. I think that's what uh, makes them. Uh, I mean, the worst of uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the creatures. But I also want to just say, when Biko said that uh, the best thing that we would be saw in this world is a more human face, I think he was talking to an element where you have our counterparts who were advanced in terms of material thing. I mean. Uh, the producers of the Roy Falk, you mm. have to give it to them in terms of material things. They're quite advanced. But in terms of uh, relating with the human being, I think they lag behind. You know, go to the 14th Revolution, you advance, you have a better yes. relationship with machines, but you can't build those kind of relationships with uh, your fellow human uh, beings. So I think uh, they, there's a, 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 a reflection that they, they need to do as a collective, but on an individual level, uh, our white counterparts, uh, to say that uh, let them up their game when it comes to public relations, you know, just the basic human uh, relations. Because the material things, I mean, they're quite advanced. That's why I'm just giving a slight example. I mean, a tiny example of the Roy Falk and other other industrial geniuses that came from our African uh, community or even the white, uh, you know, uh, counterparts. You know, Terry, you want to respond my... to that? Thanks, thanks, Thanks very I, much for that, Naz. I thought Naz's call was so interesting and also Nana's. But just in terms of what Naz said, I mean, yes, Nelson Mandela was a, a huge figurehead. But I don't know what, why it is that recently it was 75 years since Auschwitz was freed. Yes. And for Jewish people, this thing will never be forgotten. They it had a whole memorial the other day. Well, they do. They keep yes. it f- front of mind. Yes. And yet terrible atrocities were committed in the name of apartheid. We're listening to the Neil Agate case at the mm. moment, but every every black person in small villages and in formal settlements had to endure awful treatment every day. Why are we not dealing with that? I mean, the Germans had to go to to answer in court. Um, Some of them were put to death after the Holocaust. And what did we say? Oh, well, we have a Truth and Reconciliation Commission and, you know, let's move forward and put the past behind us. And that's why we're having these issues. We've never dealt with our past, Pamelo. Nobody's ever had to take responsibility or had to be accountable for what went on in the past. And even with the TRC, those who didn't even appear or rejected it were never held to account. Mm To do your response because we blame the system because you know with apartheid it's always the system it's never individual uh-huh. which is why we got to 1994 suddenly nobody ever voted for the NP there was never body yeah. everybody has always been non mm. uh, non racial yeah. and and everybody loves women which is why we have so much violence I mean. Oh, Dudu's line. All right, let's try. Um, and, Dudu, let me try and sort out your line. Um, we we seem to be right. losing you. Just we'll sort you out for a, for for a second while we talk to Fana. You're calling us from Mpumalanga. Thanks for calling, Fana. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I Fana. think. Hi there. Um, I think this topic is one of the most needed topics in South Africa because I'm black and I don't feel free. Um, Sorry, Fana. Repeat that. Re- and you don't feel free. You don't feel free. I don't feel free. Mm-hmm. I'm free. 
Mm. Now, I think one of the reasons is the maximization of shareholder interest. That has made South Africans, not free. for instance, the freedom of the struggle people was not necessarily a political reason, but it was a financial reason. They wanted to make sure that they can trade internationally. So for them to make sure that they have as much access as possible, they have to free the prisoners and make sure that Nelson Mandela has been made um, as the icon. This is the very reason why then some white people do not see any reason for them to change because they have as much money as they possibly can. Number three, Cape Town. They will remain, remain as white as ever because when the dormitories arrived, all they wanted was to make as much money as much as possible and oppress as many as they can. Thank you. Thanks for that, Fana. Um, see, so you're calling us from Durban. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pema. Thanks for calling. Um, I've, I've, I've got two points. Um, the first one is, um, you know, uh, when you look at how the society works, it, 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 it really hasn't moved from where it was in the, in the, in the old days. So I am black. I have a, a white partner. Um, last week on Friday, we went to buy a tire at a tire place. And we, we came in differently just for yes. seeing if, if this works. So as she was going in, somebody attended to her and asked her what she needs. I was there for 20 minutes before someone asked me if I need help because I've been there. And um, so when I said to them, no, I'm with her, then the, the whole attitude changed because she was even offered coffee to tell her that there's coffee there, if you need coffee anything. I wasn't, but I was there. And um, the second one would be, you know, in, in corporations in, in, in our country, it's very bad. As a black person, if you would say, can I have uh, 30 minutes of my time or, 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 or from work to go and see my child's place? If you are black, it becomes a big thing that you are going, who's going to fill up your position, who's going to be uh, attending to your to your of description at the time you are absent. But if it's another race going for the same thing, there's, there's literally every, they literally find a plan or make a plan without bothering that person as to who's going to do what and who's going to fill your position. So those are my two points. Thanks, man. Dudu, we cut you short there because your line wasn't great. You want to respond to these calls? Yeah. I must say, gosh, this is, you know, you, you are touching on this topic because it's just something that we are finding very difficult to overcome. The monetary situation um, in terms of most of the decisions are driven by economics. It's very true because even us as Africans, the minute we get that paycheck, we are very scared to rock the boat. Mm. And that is part of maintaining control. So even when we have positions, as Nana was also saying, and I had said earlier, we don't use the authority. So a lot of this, has to do with the world and it's a global thing it's not just south africa mm. anybody from Afri- of african descent has the same issue globally um mm. you're almost at the bottom of the racial poles wherever whether you're in india yeah. you're in australia yep. you'll have the same experience and it's up to us i always say it is not for somebody else to give me my dignity and to give me my power even though we talk about empowerment it has to come from me realizing and knowing for sure that I am good enough and I am just as good as in another human being. That influences the decisions I make and the things that I do in life, so much so that our local government will be operating differently. You will not find it acceptable to have the services that we do because you will see human beings in us as African people. Even though those people are also Africans, they don't see their own humanity which is why they have the ability to make the money is not going to make us superior until us as Africans understand that we are never going to be different. Mm. Why you would see Cape Town literally being run like two different countries where the the Cape Town where white people live is spotless Mm. and nobody actually ever goes to pick up litter in Langa. Well, I mean, I don't think, I mean, Cape Town is obviously a, a far more extreme example. But I mean, look at any town, look at Joburg, look at Houghton, 
look at um, Four Ways, and then go to Soweto, look at Deep Kloof, look at Orlando Deep West. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's the same. It's the mirror that Dudu was talking about earlier on. To what extent do we also rely on the others, not only by myself? So Dudu's talking about how you should value yourself. So make sure that you value yourself so that you're treated in a certain way. But that your neighbor, so that Terry, who sees me being spoken down to, can call out her her white uh, counterpart Mm. to say, well, hang on, that's actually not okay. I think that's very, very important, especially in the work we do. Um, I think it's very, it's very difficult to get white people doing this kind of work, who have the the right kind of attributes, if I can put it that way. But but you need to be unafraid to call people out, and very often we don't. It's when something happens, if there's a racial incident in front of you in the queue in Woolworths, it's so difficult to step up and say, you can't say that. You can't talk to somebody like that. It's, yeah. But we have to do it. That's, I, the, that's a starting point. The bystander racism that happens in South Africa is really quite acute. Um, and that's being, what's perpetuating it. That's yeah, what's yes. perpetuating the problem because the people that are in power, it, it doesn't matter that white South Africans are a minority compared to Africans. Where they are, they're still quite powerful. What they do creates change. Mm. They're the ones, that's why I always say, it's not good enough that we're having positions of transformation in corporate. It it should be a white male. Because when he says it happens, it's going to be part of the budget. It's going to be things that are done. This is why I accept that majority of people, even though they say they are not racist, they are because they're not fighting. Mm. There, are, there are people that gave up their lives who are white people during apartheid fighting on the behalf of Africans. We expect that there are white people who, if they see the way, the well, the way South Africa is, is unfair, they should be fighting with us and making things better for everybody. Such an important point that it should be led by a white male. Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, I yeah, agree but, fully yeah, with that yeah. because then there will be notice taken of it. Correct. Yabinga, sorry for, for keeping you holding. You're calling us from Langa. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Susie, and good afternoon to your listeners. Good afternoon. Uh, I think... Uh, what uh, we're missing here, uh, 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 look, I'm not a researcher or any or a scholar or anything, but it's just for my personal observation that uh, there can never be a, a full restructuring as long as uh, uh, white people still are dominant in the economy and all of that. And uh, that is um, as a result of the world structure. Racism is a is a world political structure, you know, which is there to ensure that people, white people, uh, are in positions of power. They benefit economy. I mean, uh, you look at USA. You look at uh, Europe. How it how those those uh, countries or that continent develop? They developed through racism, and they can't just give it up right now because uh, it's what uh, contributed to the development of their countries. Uh, in, in South Africa, the mistake that uh, the ANC of Mandela made, I think, it was to think that the racism in South Africa is just an isolated thing, which is uh, at the bottom of Africa and not part of the whole superstructure of uh, white supremacy, which is, that is our mistake. That is the problem that we are currently trying to contend with, that uh, black people uh, will always be at the bottom of the ladder because they are perceived to be inferior and so forth. For me, it's for us. These are supposed to be indications for us black people to take note and realize that uh, all the, 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 the superstructure, the political superstructure of the world is based on, on color. And we, 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 cannot, we must just realize and, uh, and, and, and uh, for us to be able to, to, to develop ourselves. Yeah, Binga, we, thank need you. To, we need to develop ourselves as black people. Thanks very much for that, Yawinga. You know, did you mention something about the fact that there were white people who had to and did die 
for the liberation of this country. And and where I'm getting at here, Terry, is the fact that I suppose we need to get to a point where we understand and accept that it will come at a cost. So for you as a white person calling out the other and for, for you to stand up in your organization for the black people in that organization, it will come at a cost. I have I have a personal friend who lost her job, a very senior person who lost her job because her, her the owners of the business um, one day had a dinner with her and it was an informal dinner. Um, but they were alone, you see, and they thought in that private dinner they could say things that were inappropriate. She just happened to be asking one or two things and the one laughed and said, oh, but you're such a K-lover. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But but they thought they could because this was one yeah. was another white person, you see. Exactly. And and it was at that moment she said, "Well, I'm not take. I cannot. I cannot work with you people anymore." I went home obviously and said to the husband, "I can't go back tomorrow." That changes everything. I mean, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. She in fact moved town for this job, and had to finally go back home and say, "This is it. I I cannot go back." But it comes at a cost. No, it does. And, and those are the sacrifices we yeah. need, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, I just think in terms of what Ming, it was it Minga, the last caller was saying yes. that, um, you know, whites nowadays, we only make up just 8% of the population. And yet when you think that 68.5% of top jobs are owned by white men, yeah. not white women, white men, yeah. There's something desperately skewed 26 years later. I want to give a white man a chance. Oh, He's just <laughs> called in, Don. You're calling us from Durban. Good afternoon. Yes, hi. Hi. Yes, you guys, thanks for talking about me all the time. So I'll just <laughs> Go <ahead>. represent <laughs> Go ahead. my section my of white males that voted National Party and fought on the border and did everything that you people didn't like us to do. Mm, go so ahead. Can I give you my point sure. of view? Sure. What's happening today, and I've heard it all day when I tuned into SAFM, is this diatribe of woe is me. You know, a few few reality points. If if white males are so bad, why are people streaming into South Africa to come and look for white men to give them jobs? You know, what you're doing here, and I'll, I'll stop in a moment. What you're doing here is you are very successfully, and all these talks are doing it, is chasing away white people from South Africa because they listen to this crap you're talking and they're thinking, you know what, there's no point in me trying to work in this country. There's no point in going ahead. I'll go to Australia, I'll go to Canada, and off I'll go. Remember one thing. When Zimbabwe fell apart, there was South Africa to come. When Malawi and Mozambique, and all these African countries fell apart when that evil white men left and they had no food and their people were dying of hunger. They had South Africa to come to, where the white male was predominating. There is no place further south for you to go. I predict one thing, that in 10 years' time, if things do not change in this country and if you people stop being so racist as you are, you will be dying in the millions and there will be nowhere to flee to. So hold on, don't leave, don't leave, Don. Don't leave. I'm not going to leave. Don't leave. So let's ask you quickly. uh, So you speak as if, you know, you're threatening us. You're about to leave us. You you are about to leave us. And when you leave, the world is going to crumble. Are you threatening us, Don? Threatening you to leave? Yes. Or threatening you for what? No, you're saying we're going to go. If you want want to call it a threat, it's semantics. I'm warning you that if the white male leaves this country, people will stop. All right. We don't have much time. Just hold on. Don't leave. Don't leave. So it's a warning. How do you respond to the warning? You know, it it doesn't take rocket scientists. The developed world at the moment um, is Europe and the U.S. China is coming up. Japan was doing well. The reason why white... um, where white people are, it prospers because of those networks. They still have home that they can connect to, where investments can come or be uh, closed off. So Zimbabwe will you get know? punished. Uh, so those investments okay. will close off. Don't leave. The, okay. the, the challenge, I, I'm the challenge of the African diaspora is to be strong wherever they are and, and to Africans who have relationships that are not exploitative. So it's not about China doing everything. But when we have networks that allow our economies to run, 
because we are not being threatened and investments are not being stopped because we're not throwing the line. The, it is not rocket science. It's not the competency thing. It's a matter of if you rock the boat, you get punished. Hold on, do do stay right there, and then Terry, you okay. want to respond to Don? Yes, I mean, I, Don, um, I wanted to f- try and find out a little bit more about the diatribe of "woe is me," but then at, at yes. the end of your of your conversation, you talked about you people, and I'm just wondering who you people. I'm talking about you three, or you three people sitting in the studio. I'm talking about your diatribe, and you especially, lady. You, I'm listening to you. You, you are you are pointing out so many things that are of such less importance, and you are you are vilifying the white man to the point that you are doing the most to chase the white man away. And if that is your intention, congratulations, you're doing well. But so I'm talking about you people, you two running the show. But let me just respond to this this, this lady that speaks about rock. One science. minute, Don, to, quickly. To run a country, bad news. It is more involved in rocket science. To run a country is an intricate, very, very involved thing. And it is 100% clear that the ANC have got no clue how to do it. And the National Party, Don? Oh, well, you know what? The National Party were much probably more corrupt than the ANC, except one major difference. They were... They were efficient. They were efficient for the. They were efficient for us as white people. There was nothing efficient happening in the townships. To run the state. In fact, the townships were run better than they are now. Did you live in the township, Don? Did you live in the township? Never, and I never would want to. Okay. Because it's totally contrary to my culture. How do you know they were run better? Just look at the look at the the crime statistics. Look at the crime statistics mm. during the project compared to now. Okay. Which this were is accurate. why our country hasn't changed. Okay, this thanks, exactly Don. Why. Listen, I really appreciate the fact that you've called. Yes. I, I can't take any I'm more of your call because in. we've got to go. Uh, do, do your last two minutes, uh, two seconds, uh, I beg your pardon, just to wrap it up. You know, the, the challenge now is how do we cope with, you, uh, with artificial intelligence? So the, the, the battle between white and black is minute to... What we now have to worry about as African people, we need to be in this for IR and be competent and be able to gain our power that way. Thank Terry. And I wanted to say that unless we really address the issues of inequality in South Africa, do something about poverty, education, the unemployment, especially of youth, um, we're not going to be making progress. And for that, we need real leadership. And we don't seem to have that. My guests this afternoon, Terry Oakley-Smith, the founder and director of Diversity, as well as Dudum Somi, founder and CEO of Wasara Leadership Partners. It's three o'clock. Thanks, everybody. Let's do this again tomorrow.